This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Hello one, hello all. Coming to you on Mixler and on Facebook Live, it's a very special and somewhat abbreviated New Year's Eve special episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. I'm Zach Arnold, hosting for this evening's extravaganza, and I am joined by a very special guest, my good buddy, and the best man at my wedding, one of the many great things to happen in 2022, Mondo D. Mondo, thank you so much for being a part of tonight's fun. Yes. Yes, indeed. It's going to be a lot of fun. Happy to be here. Um, yeah, a lot of adventures had this year. Uh, the biggest one that you've uh, that you just mentioned was we got you married. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that I feel is uh, probably on top of the list of adventures that we had. I'd say it's up there. Yeah. Um, other things we did this year um, included shooting guns. <laughs> yeah, for my bachelor party. You're right. That was fun. That was a good time. That was uh, that was a very good time. That was your first time firing a firearm, wasn't it? No. Um, In recent history. Oh, okay, you you had you had another bachelor party that was like rifles, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, there were a few handguns. Okay. Um, but it was mainly the AR-15 variety. Mm. Um. Which were a lot of fun. Very therapeutic, actually. They can be. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of good times. Uh, I mean, we, we experienced San, uh, well, San Antonio. We yeah. did that this year. Yep. This past summer. Uh, what, what I tripped over uh, was uh, Austin just a couple, about a month and a half ago. Yep, for Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, where I took Olaf. Olaf is the name of my car. <laughs> uh, mainly because it's a white exterior with a white interior and it's nice and cozy on the inside uh that went around the circuit of the america's racetrack um not just the not just the property around the actual racetrack and i was it was legal i didn't break in um so (laughs) had to pay a little extra for it but it was legal i did uh unlike when i almost broke in to uh the nashville motor speedway but i'm not going to get into that um I feel like that was a whole other story for a whole other time. <laughs> that is a whole other story for a whole other time. Uh, you know, uh, just just a lot of fun times this year, man. It's you know, it like, and it was kind of a because obviously, like your wedding was like the focal point of a lot of the year, and, and rightfully so. We spent months planning that thing. Basically, we got engaged in December, and like the end of December, going into the new year of 2022, it was spent planning and prepping and getting all of the things in a row that we needed and it was really really awesome to have uh people like you that were there to help out with that though because as far as logistics go i really do a good job with logistics but as the groom i really couldn't personally oversee them the way that i usually do you know what i mean yeah yeah having having some really awesome people there to help really made for an awesome day 
Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you know any contribution uh, that I had to that made the day a little smoother. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's a big day, one of the biggest days of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, you know, and I don't mean that lightly. Um, I mean, look at me; I don't do anything lightly. Um, <laughs> but uh, wow, dude. But you know, uh, you just. You know, anytime I did anything, I was like, what would Zach do in this situation? Um, Freak out? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's kind of why I went through, like, a list of things in my head. Like, for the, for the weeks leading up to it, I was like, okay, what are some things that could go awry here? You know? yeah. Um, yeah. I hope I used the right word. No, you did. Okay, good, because the first thing I thought of was, damn, I just named off a type of bread. Um or toast rye bread, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell I'm hungry. Um, we got a big dinner in store. Do we ever? Um, anyway, though, uh, you know, so I, I went through and I thought about all the things, like what could go wrong and what I can do to try to prevent some of those things. That's a that's a great perspective to have, and and we've got some really great stuff lined up for you all tonight on this show because we're we're getting, we're not going to have as much of a chance to recap 2022 as we are going to be looking forward to 2023. He and I both saw a couple of things uh, recently that we're going to talk about, including Violent Night and Avatar: The Way of Water. Those will be our two main subjects of discussion this evening. But then we're also going to do a IPC classic, which is looking forward to the five movies we're most excited for for next year. So we'll go five, four, three, two, one. And if you guys want to talk about your most anticipated ones, then Ben and I can discuss those that you send to us in the January edition. Like I said, this is going to be a little shorter of an episode, so we didn't take top five submissions like we usually do. But we do still have a lot of great stuff in store for you in 2023. So... Uh, Mondo, just to, to kick it off, we went into Violent Night in early December, and we were just trying to get into the spirit of the holidays. We were just trying to find something fun uh, and, and maybe have a little bit of time to kill. And as it turned out, Violent Night became a very pleasant surprise. You know, it was, and it was kind of funny. I had a similar conversation with a with a group of friends last night about um, what their favorite movies of 2022 were. Right. And it's actually funny. A couple people actually said Violent Night was their favorite movie of the year. And think about some of the movies we saw this year. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I that's high praise. Now, I did, and I feel kind of bad about this, I did kind of bring up hey you know a we just saw that movie a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. so recency bias does exist that's a thing um i also pointed out that if you were anything like me you went to that movie with about as much expectation as i do on a first date okay very little okay and with that being said when you go into something with very little expectations and it and you really enjoy it your your level of um, I feel like your level of excitement and happiness toward it is a bit skewed um, because it's magnified by you one and not having expectations. You came out kind of wowed by it. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. It is definitely a movie that has been um, violently, see what I did there, <laughs> uh, inserted in, that's, that sounded weird, um, into my holiday movie rotation. 
Um, that is a movie that will be watched annually. Um, and uh, and I look forward to it. And you know, it was a, it was a great movie. It was funny at time. It was funny when it needed to be. Mm-hmm. It was uh, exciting when it needed to be. It was violent when it needed to be. Obviously. Obviously, by the title. Um, and it was also heart-touching when it needed to be. It did have some, some of those moments. And, and the real trick to holiday films is to give you something that feels like it's a holiday film without being too corny or too cheesy. Unfortunately, the, the Hallmark Channel just blows the cheese right out of the volcano. Like, there's just so much cheese that you, you can't appreciate anything else about it. And it's like the same movie over and over again. A lot of times, the covers look exactly the same. A dude in jeans and, like, a denim plaid shirt and, and like, a, a blonde girl in some sort of a vest with boots. <laughs> like, every cover looks almost exactly the same. Yep. It's, and, it's, I'll tell you what, man. The holiday season, according to the Hallmark Channel, if you are a sort of poor person that lives in a nowhere town... That's the time you're going to meet yourself a, a very pretty city chick. Uh, and it's going to happen when you least expect it. Yeah. And even if you live in some place like Louisiana, guess what? It's going to snow on Christmas. It is. It is. Uh, it's, it's, it's the craziest thing. Like, it, it really is. Hallmark, I'll tell you what, if you, if you are bored enough tonight and <laughs> you are watching slash listening to this podcast and you need movie ideas, we're your people. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna probably shoot off at least a few other movies that we're gonna be like, oh yeah, that was a good movie that we saw. Um, before before we get too deep into into the violent night discussion, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch this to you, and then in between movie discussions, we'll do a bronze, silver, gold medal podium of the movies from this year that we would recommend to people. Okay. So it'll go like bronze medal, silver medal, and then like number one, gotta watch this gold medal film that you have to watch this year. So okay, so can there be multiple gold? Like can can does no. it have to? Okay, no, so it, there's okay. not there's not multiple okay. gold medal okay. winners in the Olympics. So hey, there's it, it's unless you're on a unless you're on a bobsled team or something like that. Then there's multiple, but no, it's just gonna be three movies that we're gonna pick so okay. we can breeze through it. Um, but going back to Violent Night, David Harbor, the opening scene, he's in a pub. And he's talking about how upset he is over kids wanting nothing but video games and cash for Christmas. And it's a trope that shows up several, several times in the movie. Um, but it had like a very brief, heartfelt moment where he gives a gift to the, the lady who's working at the pub. It's for her grandson. And then the movie really sets the tone, I feel like. When he is completely inebriated, flying off into the moonlight with his reindeer, the lady looks up and sees the wonder of magic of Santa Claus, and then he barfs all over her on the rooftop. I mean, if there was ever anything that was going to set the tone for this movie, it would be that opening sequence. No, you're absolutely right. And again, it kind of had all the parts I mentioned before. I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't really have much violence in that particular scene, but he did violently throw him. Into he, yeah, he violently hurled right over uh, the edge there, yeah. But it, it had the comedy. It had the funny parts. Mm-hmm. It had the heart-touching part. 
And it had this serious part, which kind of, in a weird way, set the tone for the movie. And not to not to get too off track, but you said it was a trope that came up in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a trope that's come up in a few other holiday projects just this year. Yeah. The Santa Claus is being one of them, a Disney mm-hmm. Plus miniseries. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that had to do with that same thing about the luster and the magic of Christmas starting to disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, not to get off on that, just wanted to bring that up. Um, so, yeah, you know, like I, I agree. That opening sequence, and it did. Very powerful opening sequence. Now, what? Do, how, so, how does it feel for you um, to have had a familiar face in the movie for, that you're familiar with, with Christmas movies, or a, at least a Christmas movie, but you didn't necessarily recognize this person at first. Are you talking about um, the mother, the matriarch? Yes. That's Beverly D'Angelo, isn't it? Is. it? Beverly D'Angelo from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation plays the matriarch of this movie. And this isn't really a movie that we often discuss on a show like IPC because it's got a lot of cussing in it. <laughs> and it, th- there may be the occasional one that gets out on this episode. I apologize in advance. But... She cusses up a storm in her appearance, mm-hmm. and then at the very end of her phone call, she's like, "Merry Christmas, Senator." <laughs> like the timing of it is fantastic, and she is this this rich, powerful, influential woman who lives on this ginormous estate. But this is where the uh, the action slash horror component fits into it, in the sense that it is a very isolated area. And you notice that a lot with like horror movies is you end up on an island, you end up on a cabin in the woods, you end up in this place that makes you completely isolated from the rest of the world. The stars of this movie are on this giant estate that is supposed to be completely private, and that privacy ends up coming to bite them in the rear when a assault team, basically, a strike force team of, of elite robbers decide that they want to steal this rich woman's money on Christmas Eve. No, you're absolutely right with that. But to to even take that a step further in a weird way, though, uh, a lot of times when you see that isolation and like those more like those smaller type confined areas, I also feel like it's a budget constraint type deal in the movie making process. Like a lot of horror movies don't necessarily have big budgets because this what, what's the point? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so, so it's kind of like a double, like a like a double goodness. You know, kind of like a Reese's. You know, you got the peanut butter and the chocolate. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's got the smaller location to save a little bit of money on on the uh, on 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 the set design. Yeah. But also, like he said, it's confined. It's a little scarier. And there was a scene in this movie. Uh, not necessarily just once it was more of a sequence uh where they kind of pulled a little bit of home alone oh yeah but in more of an oh yeah but in more of an adult movie um not that kind of adult movie um but in more of like a horror movie way where you actually see like like the devastation of getting smacked in the face with the paintball or with a paint can with a paint can or a bowling ball and then there was the one my favorite one this this is going to be really really gruesome so I got to crack open a cold one to talk about it cuz it's just it's so intense it's as intense as as a 
can of soda. I don't know. Um, I loved the sequence that you're that you're talking about, where one of the bad guys is trying to catch the little girl who still believes in Santa, still believes in Christmas, and he sees this nail on the stepladder leading up to the attic. He's like, well, of course I'm going to avoid that, duh. And he takes a step on one of the first steps that happens to be sawed through. He puts all of his load-bearing weight on it, obviously, and collapses chin-first onto the nail. And it's one of those moments that you just can't look away from it. It's so awful and so painful, but you also just can't turn away. And honestly, that whole Home Alone sequence is probably one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie, if not my favorite sequence, because it gives you stuff that is the essence of a classic Christmas movie, like Home Alone, but puts its own creative twist on it. I thought it was really well done. It was, and it's one of those things that, you know, it... How do, how do you how do you put this? It 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 took it was fun, you know. And when you think of a holiday movie, you know, you think it's supposed to be a little bit fun because it's the holiday. The holidays, though, they're stressful, right? Oh, there was a lot of stress in this movie too. <laughs> the relatives all trying to kiss this woman's butt. The brown nosing was very strong in this, and I felt that a lot. It was so, and you bring up a point because that was part of one of the pop points is all of the siblings were after the head of the company because you know the head of the company makes the money. You know what I'm right. saying? And that's kind of what they were after. So, uh, fantastic movie. Like I, I, like I. I can't say enough. There were a couple of um, kind of surprise movies for this year. Um, you know that one. Um, you know Black Phone, uh, which I heard good things about it. I never got around to watching it, unfortunately. Black Phone uh, was was one of them. Um, uh, nope was one of them. That um, that to, to me like kind of flew one of the radar movies i might not have gone and seen mm-hmm. um but i came out of like holy cow that was actually pretty entertaining mm-hmm. uh this is up there with me it was a surprise it was i, I was really really surprised. And I, I remember when you sent me the a link to the trailer and you're like we got to go see this <laughs> and so we have seen bad movies in the theater before oh yeah i'm looking at a bookcase full of, of really crappy movies <laughs> Some of them are good. Well, I've got like Inception on that bookcase. Like, yeah. I've got some classics, but then I've also got some stuff like, um, what is it? Cars? N- no, Cars is a good one. Well, no, no, no. The Cars in the upper okay, right. Okay, okay. I got I to gotta show y'all this one. <laughs> I got I to gotta, hold on. Hey, while you're up there, grab the thing. What thing? What, this thing? Yes. That thing. Because we're celebrating. Yes. There you go. Okay. I found this at a Dollar Tree. Okay, found it at Dollar Tree, which is actually buck twenty-five tree nowadays. But look at this cover art. It looks like the Cars movie, but if you zoom in on it, it actually says "Funny Little Cars." It's a twenty fifteen movie with a very very um, B slash D type cast and. It's like a giant spoof on Disney and Pixar's cars, and I don't know how the heck they got away with it, but 
that's one of those crappy movies that we're probably going to end up watching in 2023 because I just, I can't help myself. I have to watch stuff like that. The tagline for this movie, having fun has no speed limit. Oh, God. And the weird thing is, it's this is the limited edition. So you're saying there's a public edition? Like a, like a extended cut or something? I don't know what, I don't know what to make of this. I really don't. And we've got other movies like that, like like Zombies is one of them that we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, we've got some other stuff like the Jurassic Galaxy that was pretty awful. Jurassic, well, Jurassic Games was Jurassic good. Games was decent for a low budget movie. Until, I actually enjoyed that one until the very final 30, until, 45 seconds. Then it was awful. But um, there there were plenty of, of surprising movies to to reference from this year as well i will say my my favorite surprise is one that i just watched literally last night oh no i finally got around to watching this movie and my wife agrees with me that this was a very very pleasant surprise we really really enjoyed the predator prequel movie prey on hulu I haven't got around to watching that yet. Was it was it as good as everyone says it, it is? It was really good. The action sequences were really good. The storytelling was really good. The acting was really good. You get to see like a predator before the 87 version of the predator comes about. Like it doesn't have as much armor. It's not as evolved because oh. it came because it's like a prequel. It's an origin story. So it's a lesser evolved type of of predator creature and because it's not as evolved it ends up losing its fight against these native americans and so like the storytelling for the representation of the native community is really really good the action sequences are really good it was a very pleasant surprise and i'm actually going to put it at my bronze medal for um the the like the movies i would recommend from 2022 I absolutely would. It's going to be my bronze medal. Wow. You know, so uh, since you're giving out your bronze, I'll go ahead and give out my LeBron's medal. <laughs> LeBron's James? Yeah. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, and you know what? It's actually, it's going to be Black Phone. Um, you know, it. You know, Ethan Hawke, um, great actor. Uh, the story uh, was really good. Um it was, you know, it was sort of that, that it felt like that low budget kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it was just, and it wasn't very horror ish, but it was very suspenseful. Okay. Very suspenseful. And I'm not a big, I'm not really big into those kind of movies. Um, so I, I didn't get a chance to watch that one, but my, um, my silver medal I think is is one that you may have seen. And again, it's another recent release that was a very pleasant surprise. I'm not going to go with like the the tropes that everybody's going to talk about. Everybody's going to talk about, you know, Black Panther. Yeah. Everybody's going to talk about Avatar. We're about to do a full in-depth review of Avatar, so I'm not going to put that on this this podium. Um I really want to put the Jurassic franchise on there, but you and I have talked at length about the Jurassic franchise, um, either on this podcast or uh, together or doing some sort of live stream. 
So I, I don't feel like that's warranted for this episode either. No. And it would be, and I feel like it would be way too biased for us to. It would be over. biased, and it would probably be redundant because we've had this conversation publicly and privately with a lot of people, and I just don't know if it's something that is is worth trying to put on the podium and make the case for it. But I personally, as a very biased dino nerd, did enjoy it, but it's not going on my podium. You know what's getting my silver medal hmm. for movies I would recommend from 2022? It would be Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Have you seen that one yet? I have not. I've heard. Is that the one on Netflix? That's the Netflix one. Yes. With not the, the stop motion animation with the wooden characters. Not the Disney Plus version, which I have heard from several credible sources is absolute crap. Yes, because I didn't use the right Figaro cat. Mm -hmm. Aha. <laughs> they needed to borrow from yours is what they, they needed. They did. But no, that one has a very different story than the Pinocchio that we're used to. And it's got a really good cast. David Bradley is Geppetto, and he's from uh, Game of Thrones and Harry Potter. And um, they had, who was it? Jiminy Cricket was played by Ewan McGregor. Oh, no way! Yeah, Obi-Wan is like the narrator of this movie. And so, uh, all in all, it's got a really, really good story. It's got several original songs. It gives you a, a bit more depth to who Geppetto is and a little bit more depth to who Pinocchio is and what he stands for. And um, it was it was just a very fun story. And it's it's up there as some of the best work that Guillermo del Toro has ever done, I think. And he, he, he won Best Picture with Shape of Water. But I, I really think the wooden stop-motion animation and the story that it tells is really, really fantastic. And that is definitely a 2022 film that I would recommend to others. So my silver medal, uh, I don't even, I, I hope this came out in 2022. We watched it in 2022. Um, it was very tropey, but for me, being a fan of this type of medium, felt very satisfied by it. Okay. Um, and that was the Uncharted movie. I think it did come out this year. So I think it was very early in the year. Think, uh, it was, we watched it in February, and I think it had just come out. Maybe it came out in December. No, it's being listed on IMDb as a 2022 film. Okay. so But it was like January that it came out. It was very, yeah. very early 22. I really enjoyed that film. It, because, you know, video game movies often get a terrible rap. Um, you, they can. You look at what they did with Tomb Raider, and everybody liked it because of Angelina Jolie. Um, and what she looks like, you know, but the movies themselves did not follow the, the movie lore very well. Uh, the Resident Evil movies, they've got their moments, but overall they're not very good. Um, especially the newer ones that were supposed to be good and they're not, we're not going to even get into that. I just felt that Uncharted was very fun. You know, you had Mark Wahlberg, um, who is an actor that's really grown on me a lot. I'm not going to lie, like... Early in his career, I was not a big Mark Wahlberg fan. I really liked him in Father Stu. Did you see Father Stu? I did not. I wanted to. This is so weird. Usually we're on a very similar wavelength, folks. <laughs> we go to movies together a lot, I swear. Like, we're on AMC and we do Entourage together all the time. And yet I'm like, I really like this movie. I didn't see that one. I really like this movie. Well, I didn't watch Black Phones, so like... 
This is so weird that the stuff we're recommending to you guys is probably stuff that we need to be recommending to each other. Which is good. <laughs> I feel like it adds to it. No, I wanted to. I really wanted to. But part of the problem right now with the movie theaters, in mm -hmm. my opinion, mm -hmm. is movies, like the movie runs are so short. So, like, it used to be if you missed a movie opening weekend or within a... It, you can go a month later and you can still catch that movie. You may be in a theater by yourself and it may be a small theater in the back of the theater mm -hmm. that smells like must, musty stuff, but you would still get to see it right in the theater. Right. Now the movies are hitting streamers so quickly after, um, uh, after their release, they're being ripped out of the theater so abruptly. Yeah, they, they, they have a very, very short lifespan. And that short lifespan makes it difficult to get around to seeing it because sometimes three, four, five movies come out within the span of about two weeks and you see one of the things that you want to see and then you end up missing one of the other things that you're trying to get to. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, no, but it's a movie that I definitely did want to see. Uh, I thought the movie premise was really good. Um, you know, it a little, a little cliche and tropey at times, but by the trailer... But overall, like it looked like a movie that would be entertaining. So going back to Uncharted, I did see that one with you. <laughs> and if I had to describe it, because I hadn't seen Uncharted, period. Like, I didn't know anything about it. And what I saw, it reminded me of, like, Pirates of the Caribbean meets Indiana Jones. It had some of that find the lost treasure type of stuff, but it also had like a swashbuckling adventure type of feel to it as well, which is what Pirates is very famous for. And it's what the games are known for. The, the, the Uncharted games are exactly like that. You find the, like you find the, you have to find this hidden treasure. You have to find this ancient treasure or whatever, but it's in this huge, grandiose, visually stunning adventure. And they nailed it in the movie. Like, it, yes, it was over the top. And yes, it was completely unrealistic. But, but that's <laughs> kind of the point. Yes. That's kind of the point of an Uncharted film. And I think that may have been where the disconnect was for me. Because it felt so over the top. And it felt so outrageous that I was like, it's really, really hard for me to suspend mm -hmm. my disbelief. Like, in a Jurassic World movie, I keep circling back to that. But in, in Jurassic World, you're obviously having to suspend your disbelief because it's freaking dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't get the people that are like, oh, I want realism in my CGI-generated dinosaur movie. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like, like, why do you want it to be real? That defeats the whole point of how much fun you can have watching, like dinosaurs chase after you on a motorcycle through malta like that's freaking cool but i digress um i i i feel like the problem i had with uncharted was it was tough for me to suspend my disbelief and because i didn't have the context of the game i wasn't able to enjoy it quite as much and that's fair and and, and that's why i kind of i kind of qualified it by saying um part of the reason i was such a fan of it was because of the the way that I love the games yeah. and the way that I love just the medium of gaming in general and That's when fair. I and when I watched that movie I felt like I was kind of playing the game and that's really all you should want from a video game movie is to feel like the it's being like true to the game and true to the material <laughs> like I, I I may be wrong but I feel like a lot of people felt that way about the Sonic movie 
Yes, the Sonic movies. Let me tell you guys something. Them Sonic the Hedgehog movies, they're awesome. They are... There was one that came out this year, too, wasn't there? There was, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That's what I thought. I didn't get around to see that one either, but I'm just not as immersed in the video game world. And, and, and I, for my money, um, those are probably some of the best video game movies there are. I just, I, the reason I put Uncharted ahead of that was mainly for the fact that I kind of felt like Sonic was a lot more popular and I mm-hmm. feel like a lot more people had already gone out to see that. Yeah. So the point of this was to kind of say, hey, these are movies you may have missed. Mm-hmm. Or these are these are things that yeah. you may have missed to go watch those. I agree. But I, 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 would, I would actually probably say those Sonic movies are... They're chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Okay, so now for our number one, our gold medal recommended movies of 2022. Do you want me to lead off, or do you have it? I have mine. Okay. Uh, so this was a Disney Plus special, mm-hmm. and it came out around Halloween. Um, it was released by Marvel Cinematic. I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, I think it was called, like, Way of the Werewolf, or... Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night, yeah. We actually reviewed that here on IPC with Ben. Uh, it was very, very surprising. It was, and it, it, it was only, like, an hour or something. I mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily call it, like, a full-fledged movie. But the movie is shot in like a black and white L.A. noir kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. And it it tells a story start to finish, mm-hmm. um, and it's just really cool. Like it was, I would I, I turned it on one night because I was set down to eat dinner and yeah. Um, I you know I was about to get on Xbox and I was like yeah just something I was like oh that's only an hour I'm gonna watch that yeah and it's by Marvel I'm like oh that's cool mm-hmm. um and. It, it follows actual Marvel comic book characters. Yep. They, they didn't just make up their own characters for this. Right. Um, but it's not like your normal Marvel. And it's sort of like, it's kind of like we've talked about where you can tell it was slightly lower budget, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel low budget. Well, I think it's, its budget may have been deceptive because there was definitely a lot of money that went into making the environment feel older. Yes. The, the noir concept, I actually felt like they went to great efforts to make it feel like a black and white film from the 50s. And maybe that's why, because you're right, it felt, like an, it felt like a retro film. Yes. Um, the way, even the way that this, it sounded, mm-hmm. um, from the way that it looked, from from the way it reacted on the screen at times, yeah, um, very top notch, very enjoyable, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, it's an hour, you know, it, it's an hour of your time. It's almost like a short story for movies, because it does tell that story from start to finish, but you don't need the full two hours to be able to tell it, mm-hmm. and so. It's really intriguing to be able to see the characters, watch them all unfold, see how their stories play out, and then get everything to kind of reach its conclusion uh, all in like an hour or 70 minutes. And I'll be honest, one of my favorite movies of all time is only 70 minutes in length. It's It's an old movie from the 30s called Duck Soup with the Marx Brothers. And I think I've talked about it on this podcast before at some point. But... It has several fantastic scenes filled with hilarity, and the movie only lasts about 68 minutes. So, yeah, you don't need 
a three-hour spectacle to tell a story, mm-hmm. although that's what we're about to talk about here, is like a three-hour and 20-minute spectacle in the form of Avatar. That's our next discussion topic. But you don't necessarily need all movies to be that way in order for them to be good. No, and, you know, going back to, you know, I talked about video games. Um, there, there's a huge debate right now within the video game community. You know, a lot of people are wanting these video games like, um, you know, to be like these super long, like, um, like Elder Scrolls or um, like Fallout, like these mm-hmm. super long hundred plus hour games that, you know, and, and those are great. You get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's nice just to sit down with a good five or six hour game that it's easier to kind of sit down and play through in a week while you know when you get off of work or something like that see and that that's the trouble that i have with games is the worlds can be so immersive and they're so addicting that i worry about you know my time time management because mm-hmm. i i get wrapped up into something really really quickly so my solution has been sports games because they have timers you know you play nba 2k or you play you know madden or something like that and there's timers built right into it. And so when the time is up, your time is up. Game is over. And you don't have to play another one if you don't want to. So I'll just hop on and I'll play one football game. And then I call it. And I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And I, that's why I'm super excited for EA to have the NCAA football game coming out next year. If I was to do a whole podcast episode about like the most anticipated video games of the year... NCAA 23 is going to be on the top of that list. And speaking of video games, and speaking of the NCAA, if we're a little distracted right now, it's because we've got Michigan versus TCU on a separate screen. And it's a six-point game, go Horn Frogs, and it's getting down to the wire. So and Michigan's kind of come back. They have. They were down 51-38, and they got a touchdown. They've got three minutes to go, and they just need one defensive stop and get the ball back, and they'll win it. So I mean, technically, I mean, at one point, they were down 21-3. to And That's crazy. They've made it a six-point game with three minutes to go, and they were showing some statistics that said the 98 combined points that are up right now, not, not 95. 50-96. I can't do math. It's the third highest scoring Fiesta Bowl. I think it's the third highest combined yardage. Oh, I, yeah. I have the, the almost 1,000 yards of combined yardage is the third highest. This is the highest scoring Fiesta Bowl in history. Wow, man, that's crazy. And there's there's been a lot of really great games played at the Fiesta Bowl. Texas beating Ohio State, Boise State beating Oklahoma. There have been some great games played in that stadium. But my gold medal. I took a long time to get back around to it, but my gold medal for recommended movies this year, it was definitely one that flew under the radar, but I think it was one that all three of us ended up enjoying. We saw it while we were out of town in Austin on that trip. Mm-hmm. The menu. The menu was really, really good. You know, it's funny. You know, I talked about the conversation I had with my friends last night about their favorite movies. Violent Night was one of them that came up. The mm-hmm. menu was also one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh and the menu kind of goes into one of those films that you kind of went into not really knowing what to expect. You know, the premise sounded cool, sounded different, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that, that all forms of media anymore are having struggles with. Right. Uh, so you had all those pieces to it. And uh, it, it, you know, it just, it, it worked. It worked great. The story was fantastic. The characters, 
even better. I, I really enjoyed the dynamic between Anya Taylor-Joy and Ralph Fiennes. He, he played the chef excellently. The story was straightforward enough to make sense, but convoluted enough to keep you guessing. And I really did not expect her to be able to get off the island. And yet she did. <laughs> and I know that's a spoiler, but I, I really expected this to be one of those, like, really, really gruesome movies where everybody dies. And it actually had some really compelling storytelling. And it had some really great acting. And it ended up being a very, very pleasant surprise. So I definitely recommend the menu because it it doesn't have all of the things in it that you expect it to, but it has just enough to uh, be a very, very enjoyable ride. So those are our podium picks for recommended films of 2022. For me, it would be Prey, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and The Menu. And remind me your three again, sir. It was Uncharted. It was... Uncharted made the second spot. It was Black Phone. Black Phone, Uncharted. Uncharted, and uh, Wolf by Night. Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night. I can't get the title right. Werewolf by Night. It's your number one, but you can't name it right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will wrap up our episode by talking about Avatar, The Way of Water. Stick around here with us on IPC. We will be right back. closer to the new year i'm zach and i'm now ready to celebrate happy new year the way mondo was and uh mondo i thought it'd be fun to try out something new um here on the broadcast something that i've only had once and something you've never had before i assume you're on tiktok of course i think ever i i think even people's grandmas are on tiktok there are grandmas that are on tiktok it's kind of entertaining to watch those actually but um, there's one particular TikTok challenge going around right now that involves a little drink. It's a liqueur from Italy called Disaruno. I hope I pronounced that right. Have you ever had that before? I don't think I have. Well, sir, today you are. I got us a little shot's worth poured out during the break, and I want to just try that first. If you need to clean your palate, by all means. No, that's for when I start dying. <laughs> that's for when you start choking. I poured you a little baby shot, okay? But I want you to try the Desarono first before we try the thing from the TikTok challenge. You ready? Mm-hmm. Cheers, sir. Happy New Year. It's not that bad, is it? That was delicious. That was pretty good. I already, I can already, I can already taste it. You can, you can see where this is going, right? I can already see where this is it's going. It's very syrupy. It's very syrupy. I gave him a shot of the Desarono. My wife is here on the side. She didn't want to be on the camera. But yes, we took baby shots of the Desarono because this one's yours, right? Was that one yours? Uh, Was that one this one? I don't know. I don't know. So now I'm going to give you a shot of Dr. Pepper so that you have an idea of where this is going. I've been drinking and sipping on Dr. Pepper. This is Dr. Pepper. This This this. This is just a baby shot of Dr. Pepper. 
and uh, it's it's where this challenge really starts to take shape because theoretically if you take a corona and you pour it into some desorono it actually tastes like dr pepper believe it or not and i tried it and couldn't believe my eyes i couldn't believe my taste buds so we've tasted the desorono now i'm gonna mix in a little bit of corona i'm hoping that i got the proportions right because i didn't want to pour too much desorono in there but i don't want to pour too much beer in there also so we'll see how this goes but according to TikTok, if you put Corona in with this Italian liqueur, it actually tastes like Dr. Pepper. So the first question I have is where can I get that liquor? I got it at just a liquor depot. Oh, okay. But I'm sure you can find it at places like Specs or Total Wine or something like that. Is it pricey? Uh, it's about 30 bucks. Oh, that's about average for a it, bottle it's pretty, it's pretty average for a 750 milliliter <clears throat> bottle. It, it was probably about 30, I think it was 35 at the one that I went to, but the liquor depot I was at charges a little bit more than some other places. So, yeah, it's in like the 30 to 35 range. It's not too bad. Okay, but that might be that might be going in the Mondo estate. <clears throat> it, would, it would definitely be a nice addition. So, I've taken about a shot's worth of Disarona. Do you want me to put your splash more or no? Uh, yeah, I'll splash more. Let's do let's do a splash more because I don't know if I did a full shot's worth. So here, let me get just a splash more of the Disarona poured in there. And then I'll get a little bit more poured into mine. Now give it the smell test first because I'll be honest, first time I tried it, it did not smell like Dr. Pepper at all. It does not. It kind of smells like a skunk. It, 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 it's kind of stanky because Corona doesn't really smell amazing. But you can get the undertones of what a Dr. Pepper would smell like a little bit. And it's that syrupy mm -hmm. sweetness that we had previously talked about. It is. It is. So, without further ado, we're going to do the TikTok challenge of Disarono and Corona. <laughs> Bottoms up. What do you think? I can taste it. It tastes very similar, doesn't it? It does. The only thing I will say is since smell and taste are an association. Yeah. When you get a whiff of it, it is a bit on the on the funky side. Kind of off-putting a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. So that it at first it doesn't taste like it at all. It's not bad though. You want to splash more? Yeah, just give me to a just to <laughs> serious like I want in on this action. Yeah, there we go. Just a touch more of the liqueur. Again, I haven't gotten the proportions just right yet. But right I right yet. I mean, how much of that have you drank? Uh almost half, <laughs> a third of it. But I've done some shots with my wife and I've done this challenge once before, so it's mostly it's mostly mixed. It's not uh it's not anything over the top. But one more try. Of the Dr. DeSorono is what I've been calling it. Adding a little more of the, the liqueur helped, I think, a little bit. I think it did, yeah. Because now I'm getting a lot more of the syrupy undertones. Yeah. And it definitely has, like, that aftertaste of a soda. It's not exactly like Dr. Pepper, but it is damn similar. You, you, you get the gist of it. You do. You really do. Okay. So now that we've done a TikTok challenge and we've consummated the new year five hours prematurely our time, it's only 7 o'clock central, but uh, we're inching closer to New Year's. We're not going to be doing a live broadcast 
um, as New Year's hits. Obviously, we've got other plans. We've got other stuff to do. But before we do that, before we close out the year, we've got to talk about this uh, sensation from uh, December of 2022, The Way of Water. For those of you who are tuning into the podcast after the fact and not watching the Facebook Live video, Mondo was actually tipping his water bottle around a little bit. Mondo, let's start spoiler-free. First impressions from Avatar The Way of Water. Mind-blowing. And and for reasons other than what you may actually think it would be mind-blowing. And, and and let me let me explain, because I know that makes almost no sense at all. And you're like, how much of that beverage did that young gentleman have? <laughs> young gentleman, so sophisticated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sophisticated individual. Uh so what I so the whole movie felt like it was in like 60 frames per second, uh, which was really smooth, very fast-paced. And why that matters is because the, the typical movie is generally slower. I want to say the typical movie experience is around 24 frames per second. Uh, so this is a monumental leap in, in that regard from a technical standpoint. Um, so... CGI. We talked about CGI a few little while ago, and you yeah, wanted we did. realistic CGI in your dinosaur movie. Yeah, are people wanting that? Um, the CGI in this film was stunning. Uh, there were things that were clearly CGI. Mm-hmm. Clearly, cl- clearly, they they were not practical effects. Dude, hardly anything in this movie was practical effects. That's true. <laughs> I think I think the one human kid. Was the only practical effect in the whole damn movie. Yeah. Um, you, the kid who looks like the little brother off of the Wild Thorn Fairies. I, I was thinking George of the Jungle Jr. Oh, okay. That works too. <laughs> uh, but no, like... Um, so like the whales? Yeah. Uh, so like when you would see their eyes move and like the way that the water interacts with their, with their bodies and the way that all that happens, mm-hmm. you're like... Holy smokes. Like, that is just beautiful. Stunning. Like, look, I sent Zach a screenshot of uh, something uh, a couple, about a month ago, I want to say. Maybe a couple weeks ago. Well, we saw the movie a couple weeks ago, so about a month ago. Because it was yeah. a couple of weeks before it It was out. before the movie, yeah. And it talked about the budget and how what, what it, the movie would have to make. Just to make a profit. It's crazy. Um, this movie almost cost them like a billion dollars in total, didn't it? I thought it was like $1.5 billion or it's something. Ridiculous. It was something in, uh, insane. I mean, if you want to just blow a billion dollars, you could just give it to your boy. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you. Uh, but, like, and I was like, and I went into it like, man, there's no way this movie is going to look like an almost billion dollar movie. Zero chance of that. But guess what? It did. And I was like, I'm holy crap on a cracker. Like I, like Moses on a motor, like a motorboat, man. It was awesome. Moses on a motorboat would kind of be counterproductive considering he parted the Red Sea. <laughs> He'd be just motorboating on dry ground. <laughs> True. Oh, man. I personally found this to be both visually stunning and overwhelming at the same time. 
I you, that is fair because you being so accustomed to the video game world, you are used to certain games having those improved frame rates in order to improve the gameplay. I am not so used to things seeming so flowy. There are certain panning shots that are just incredible because they go so smoothly and so seamlessly. I have never seen transitions like that. I have never seen movement so smooth. Even like in real life, it doesn't feel that smooth. And so to see it like that the first time around, it was kind of tough because I had never seen a frame rate that clear. I had never seen a movie flow that well. I will say, the second time around was much better because I was able to anticipate it. I knew what I was getting myself into. And I feel like the first time around, you are enjoying the visuals. The second time around, you get to enjoy the story a little bit better. So let me ask you about this. And I meant to ask you this when you uh, told me that you were at, yet you were going to it for a second time. Um, the second time around, did you also watch it in three dimensions? I did. Okay, because I was gonna, a- I was gonna ask you. It was um, it was regular three D. It wasn't IMAX three D, but it was in three D. Okay, because I, I was gonna ask you. Excuse me, I, I kind of burped a little. Um, uh, I was gonna ask um, if the if being in regular dim- dimensions uh, it changed the experience at all. I feel like it would. Like, just, just based on how immersive things are when you go underwater, like, like, a lot of this movie takes place underwater. There's, there's a lot of chase sequences, there's a lot of character development, there's a lot of exploration, there's a lot of what I would call money shots. There's a lot that takes place underwater because most of the first Avatar movie was in the forests. We've gotten our tree shots. We've gotten, you know, our forest action shots from the first film. So now we're flexing our muscles a little bit and doing some CGI in a different environment. And as you alluded to with the whales, um, there were certain creatures that would swim by. And it looked like they were swimming by in the theater. Yeah, you could, that you could just touch reach them. out and, like, grab them out of the air. Yeah, be like, I have a pet fish now. Yes, exactly. And, and my dad would attest to the same thing. He, he had a very similar experience when he went to watch it. He says because of his glasses, wearing 3D glasses on top of vision glasses, it can be tough to see the actual effects of the three dimensions. Sometimes because what will happen, look, I have glasses, so I'm qualified to speak about it. Oh, really? Um, the glasses, like they'll shift themselves a little bit. So it's just really weird. It is weird. It, it, it kind of distorts it a little bit is what he says. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was actually able to see some of those underwater visuals in the way of water. So Cameron's CGI and his 3D effects are some of the best I have ever seen. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I can totally see why he waited for the CGI to catch up with his vision. Like, he had an imagination for how he wanted something to look and feel, and he was willing to wait until technology caught up to his imagination. And that is what The Way of Water is. Without trying to go too deep into spoilers, um, that is basically what this movie is about. It's about 
bringing to life a man's imagination. And they did that and then some. And, you know, I, I, I've brought up gaming quite a bit on a movie review show. But I feel like that's something that you see a lot in the gaming world right now, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a lot of remakes of games, games that are being remade 20 years later. To start it, to kind of show the uh, the way that maybe the original developers or the original story writers envisioned it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect Cameron um, a whole heck of a lot. Um to uh to to have done that because the first avatar when it came out it was massive humongous i i want to say um i want to say is it the highest grossing film of all time did it finally pass uh i believe it was yeah i believe it was i'll check box office mojo but i'm pretty sure it's the highest grossing movie of all time yeah i mean it has had several re-releases so it wouldn't surprise me but even without those re-releases it was a massive hit so if i'm being completely honest with you it would have been really easy for cameron to say you know what screw my vision we're gonna strike while the iron's hot here we're gonna come out with something um that is just absolutely um a moneymaker but he didn't. He waited. And he waited quite a while. He waited, what, 13 years or something like that in order to... Yeah, 2009. 2009, 10, 11, 12, 22. He waited 13 years for his vision to come to life. Let's talk about Jake Sully and like the development of his character that took place in what would we call the, uh, the off-season. Um, he had 13 years in between, and it almost feels like those 13 years transpired in between films. Because yeah. he's, he's got kids now. Mm-hmm. He's the leader of his tribe now. He's got an adopted child, more or less, from mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver's character, which is still a mystery at the end of this movie. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely more to this franchise and more to this film because... There's there's mystery about who this young lady's father was. There's mystery about the character Spider and you know what he's going to do and how he's going to uh, to respond after certain events that transpired. And so um, there's definitely room for more stuff to happen. And he, Cameron, recorded a lot of this stuff back to back so that the kids didn't age out of their roles. So that's why we're getting so much. Um, Avatar content kind of back to back. Well, after such a long delay, um, but you're absolutely right about that. But like, but you first of all, you're right about the the 13 years transpiring in the film. Which man, I got to admit, I I love that they did that because something I hate is when you have like a 13 year gap and they try to play it off like only like six months has passed. In the movie yeah, years. like nothing happened. Like and and maybe in a movie like Avatar you can kind of get away with it a little bit because it's like you alluded to earlier. The whole movie CGI. Right. They CGI all the characters. Right. So like you can kind of get away with it. What did you make of Stephen Lang coming back? Cuz his character died in the first Avatar movie but they bring him back in the form of a Navi Avatar character. What did you make of him coming back and being the villain for a second go-around? I liked it, but in a weird way, I was a little aggravated by it, I have to admit. Hmm. And, and I'll tell you why, okay? Um, I love saying that. I'll tell you why. Like, like I'm not going to tell you anyway. 
Um, <laughs> I'll tell you why. I, I was going to anyway, but I'm going to reaffirm it. Yeah. Uh, I've always said that too. I don't know. Like even, like even when I'm in like a heated argument, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, but, and another thing. Oh man, that is the worst. <laughs> um, when you hear all the two things you never want to hear in an argument, and another thing, or also. Oh, I was also going to include. I'm fine. Okay, well, that's... Okay, yeah. Okay. I'm fine or nope. it's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. The word fine? If you hear the word fine... It's not fine. It ain't fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was a little off-put by that in the slightest. And I'll tell... And, and again, I'll tell you what. Is, you know, when Star Wars Episode Seven came out, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people that looked at the plot of Episode Seven and felt it felt way too similar to previous films. Yeah, it's soft reboot essentially. And I felt like, in a weird way, by bringing Sully back as the big bad again. No, Sully is the good guy. Oh yeah, that's right. The, the other guy, Lang. Stephen Stephen Lang's character. Stephen the, Lang's the, character. The Colonel. The Colonel. Colonel, not a popcorn Colonel, but a regular. Colonel. We're having popcorn Colonels later. We are having popcorn machine. Is awesome. Uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Um, so Stephen Lang's character, and it was, and, and it was the same thing. It was Sully versus the Colonel again. Yeah, and and in a weird way, like I felt like okay, it, part of the plot kind of felt similar to the first film, but not quite similar because the first film, the whole point they're trying to they're trying to strip the Pandora of its resources mm-hmm. because Earth is dying and yada 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 yada. Um, I think that's a Cardi B song, um, or Megan the Stallion, one of them two. Wow. Uh, and and I've seen people talk about that, and I hated that, and I and that's why I was like, man, people are gonna say that, and it's gonna not be great. Um, but what I found intriguing <clears throat> was, you know, the old saying, um, "You turn into the things that you hate." Yeah, he well, actually did. Yeah, he, he did. Fi- he physically, literally did. He exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about the. Um, Wait, scroll back up a minute. It's it's just the whole Wikipedia. It's not for sale. Please, uh, please, please donate two dollars because we're not able to sell this this company, but we want you to help us out anyway. Oh, I thought I thought maybe they were having like people. Um, because of what recently happened with Twitter, mm. tried to purchase Wikipedia, and it was like a banner. We are not for sale. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so, trying to recap the movie just a little bit, because we do have a top five that we need to get into before we close out the evening. So. Oh, crap. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> um, trying to recap the movie a little bit, Jake Sully is the chief, and like we mentioned, uh, the colonel is the bad guy. They capture one of their own, which is the young man Spider, who turns out to be the Colonel's son. The Colonel's son, which is really weird, and that was something that I thought was awesome, because so um, so since we've already kind of dove, get it dove, because it's the way water, uh-huh. uh, into some spoilers, um, the the Colonel um, is the father of this kid named Spider who was left we, behind. We need like a Mori episode for this. We you did. are the father. <laughs> I thought you said Morty, and I was really confused. <laughs> Morty, Morty, we we, we, we got to do a genetics test. Morty, we, we, we got to make sure we're actually related. 
I was really confused for a second. So anyway. Um, this is what happens when you have beer and disarono on an empty stomach. <laughs> Speaking of that, guys, we got some we got some ribs in the in the kitchen right now. Oh yeah. That's gonna be legit. Um so anyway, uh what was I saying? <laughs> We, we were talking uh, about the plot of the movie oh, yeah. and certain spoilers. Yeah. So you, so you liked that Spider was the colonel's son because it added like some character depth, right? Well, it did, but this is what I liked the most about it. Because we talked about that the colonel um, is back as an avatar, but it's not really the colonel. It's his consciousness. It's his consciousness and his right. memory that had been uploaded 13 years ago. Okay, here's the part that I'm kind of mad about, and I don't mean to cut you off too much. Oh, you're fine. But because his consciousness has been stored, theoretically, he can come back an infinite number of times. He can, and... That makes me kind of mad, that he's going to be like this perpetual villain, possibly, because his consciousness has been uploaded. Well, but if you think about it, though, it's taken 13 years for him to develop into the avatar that we saw. Okay, I see, so, where I see where you're coming from. So it's not going to be like, oh, okay, just stick him in there and he's back. Grow a clone and yeah. it'll be ready in five years. Yeah, like it takes time to develop and for him to grow because he has to go through the full Avatar growth cycle. Right. Um, but, but because of that, because he is just the memory, even though he's Spider's dad or father in the film... Mm-hmm. He's not really. He has no sort of emotional or um, personal attachment to him. But he does. That leads to a really big part of the final fight sequence, which I'm not trying to jump too far ahead, but we do have other things to talk about tonight. It's a long movie. we gotta, we got to jump it's a, We can't spend four hours talking about a three-hour movie, folks. It's just not going to happen. It ain't in the cards tonight. We it, got some ribs. We got other stuff to do tonight. We got other stuff to eat tonight. I promised my wife I'd be done in six minutes, and I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> um, There's a joke there. There is, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, I I think it does prove to be a really big point, though, because there's a part where one of Jake Sully's kids um, dies. That's a spoiler. Yes. But one of the kids dies, and his wife grabs Spider by the throat and threatens to kill him if they're not all set free. Mm-hmm. And the colonel makes a decision in that moment to save Spider. Meaning he does have some sort of a connection to him, which could prove really important in the ensuing movies. It does. And to flip that, Spider saves his dad. He does. Or his father. Yeah. Or the memory of his father. Right. Um, and he uses the PG-13 movie's single F-bomb. And in a big way. I, it really <laughs> is timed really well, if I'm being honest. Like, if there was ever a point in time to use it, it would be that. Or like in uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is a PG-13 movie, but they use their single F-bomb really, really well in that one, too. Yeah, and it was a powerful F-bomb. It was. It was like... It could end civilizations. That's how big, that's how powerful of an F-bomb it was. Yeah. It might have been my favorite F-bomb in, in a movie in a long time. In Dawn or in this one? Oh, in, in this one. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like tormented over this decision. And I really think it's going to come back to bite him in the ass. 
I think it's going to come back to bite his whole tribe in the ass. And that's going to be really important for the story moving forward. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they going to treat him? Is he going to be loyal to the colonists that are trying to basically create Earth 2.0? Mm-hmm. Because the general, the lady that's in charge, has said that they're basically terraforming Earth. They're basically trying yeah. to, to terraform this planet into Earth 2.0. This isn't mm-hmm. just stripping resources anymore. No. Like, Earth is completely stripped, and this is the new Earth. Mm-hmm. And that has really big ramifications, because if they can't make peace with the Na'vi, then it's going to be like a civil war until one side wins out. Yep. And then at that point, you can ask, you know, what would be left of the planet that you're trying to terraform exactly, in the first place? Exactly, because if the war devastates everything then there's nothing left of the planet that you're trying to terraform in the first place. Yeah, so it's like, holy crap. Like, So, listen, y'all. Avatar 3 in a couple years is going to be legit. It might come out next year. Yeah, I've seen... I've heard, like, December 23 is a possibility. See, that's the first thing I thought, but I remember when we looked it up in the theater, it has 24, but I've I've also seen... December 23 is still apparently on the table. My guess is going to come out mid-24. Unless they really want to summer, keep... Summer 24 would be a good time for it, but I think Cameron really enjoys the holidays. And that, you know what? And I, ha- I have to say this, and I, and I know it's a different movie, completely different franchise, but I think Star Wars is what really exposed the fact that December... I mean, Avatar did it back in 2009, mm-hmm. but... Not really many have done it since, but Star Wars, I feel I confirmed that December can be a very big month for movie releases. Agreed. Agreed. Unless Um, unless you're that terrible Whitney Houston movie that came out. uh, I, I, I don't know what to make of that because there are so many biopics out there and some of them are really good and some of them are really, really crap. So, that to you too, my love. She's giving me a two-minute warning, basically, and I don't know if I'm going to match it, but... Um, we can try. We can do our best. We'll be like, five, four, three, two, one, all right, that's it, let's go. Um, okay, let's... Yeah, YMCA. Let's say, theoretically, that somebody has never seen The Way of Water. Mm-hmm. What would you tell them to convince them to go see this film in theaters before it leaves? So I feel like there are certain films that are um, best experienced in the cinema. I felt the first Avatar was like that, primarily in IMAX three dimensions. Okay. Um, So you take that and I feel like this movie amplifies that because I mentioned the frame rate, not all home televisions have that capability. Um, that's true. And I feel like, I feel like it's made for the big screen. And I know early on in the pandemic, people were like, oh, the movie theater's dying. I've been, I enjoy watching movies at home far more than I enjoy going to the movie theater. That may be true for some films. And I agree with that for some films. Um, wholeheartedly. I, I agree. But there are some films that deserve to be seen on a screen larger than life mm-hmm. in a setting that is larger than life. Um, and this is one of them. Agreed. 
Agreed. My, my, my thoughts would be almost exactly the same. It, it's that that's part of the reason why I didn't watch Avatar at home, like the first Avatar. I've never seen it at home. It, it was available on Disney Plus, and then they did the re-release about a month or so ago when we went to go see it mm-hmm. at at the theater. That was my first ever viewing of Avatar because I never got around to seeing it in two thousand nine. So I lied. I went and saw it in '09 in IMAX 3D, mm-hmm. and then I've caught pieces of it. On like TBS or whatever it may be on on cable, flipping through the channels over the last thirteen years. Um, but every time I look at it, I'm like, that's not the same film I saw. No, it's not. It's not the same movie I saw. So that being said, go see it in theaters. It is long. You're going to probably need to carve out about four hours worth of your time. Yeah. Because by the time you get there you got, early... You got the commute, you got the getting the food, you mm-hmm. got the drive home. Yeah, it, it's definitely a investment. And if you're somebody who makes, you know, 20 bucks an hour at your job, like mm-hmm. that's 80 bucks mm-hmm. that you could have been putting in work for. Mm-hmm. I still feel it's worth it. I do. And you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I do that a lot when I look at how much time things are going to take. Yeah. Um, if this is a movie... I'm not going to lie. I went in, and I, and I said this a few moments ago. I went in thinking, oh, this is going to probably suck. <laughs> because there's been so much made of it, right? There's been so made, much made about how much it's costed, um, the time between the two. And let's be honest, the first Avatar movie, um, the story was very tropey, very sort of simple in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but visually is where it was like holy crap it was more of an experience it is it can be it's almost like whenever you buy a new flat screen plasma tv or um and like it comes with like the preloaded videos where you can see what that television can do Mm -hmm. it's like that but on steroids it is it is an experience i agree that that is definitely a good way to put it and it's one that is worth experiencing in theaters Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping it does a re-release so that people can try to go and see it again. I, I do, and I think it will. And my guess is, honestly, and this is why I want to go see it another time in theaters. Yeah. But I'm kind of waiting for a re-release because I think it was you that pointed out that there was like a whole hour worth of movie that they left on the cutting room floor. For I, heard, I heard something about that, yeah. So... I have a feeling... <coughs> a that director's cut is definitely in order. I feel like some probably around late February, mid-March, may, maybe in May. I would think May because that's when the summer slate rolls out. It would give you time to edit the film probably. Yeah, so probably probably somewhere around early summer. I have a feeling this is going to come out again. It's going to be the extended version. Mm-hmm. The director's cut of of and it may not it's probably not gonna be the full hour of crap they cut out, but it'll be some stuff and it'll probably be worth watching. I think it could be. Um, usually, we try to give this movie a planet score, which is basically the IPC version of a rating out of ten. I know it's kind of an abbreviated review. Maybe we'll have a chance to do an extended review another night. But what would you give Avatar: The Way of Water out of, out of ten? Right? Out of ten. I would probably go 9.25. Okay, nine and a quarter. And I say that because the story on this one, I felt, was 
much more original than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was still a little peeved that they brought back the same character, um, Big Bad, but mm-hmm. it fit. It did fit in the story that they were trying to tell, and they were also able to expand upon that with with the child and with other aspects of the story going forward. Honestly, I think the kids helped make this movie. The, uh, you, it, I don't think you can tell this story properly without Jake Sully's kids. No, I, and you know what? To your point, I, this movie is not about Jake Sully. It's not. It's about it's a, the kids. It's about his family. Yes. And that's what I love about how the movie ends, is that he talks about how this family is his fortress. He'll do anything to protect them. And right here, right now, is where we make our stand. And then, boom, it cuts to credits. Yep. The movie is all about family. Mm-hmm. The first movie, it's about, like, nature mm-hmm. and, and your connection to nature and stuff like that. It's very Pocahontas in nature. You know, mm-hmm. have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Well, we heard the blue people singing to the trees in the first movie. Mm-hmm. The second movie is all about family. It, it is. And and even and even of when at the end of the movie, um, the water tribe fully embraces uh, Sully and his family. They and, do. and that's a big plot point because in Avatar, like the, there's different there's different races of Avatar, right? Um, there's and you see this in the first one. This isn't a spoiler, but you know there's the water, uh, there's the the, the jungly ones. Yeah, um, I believe there's like a like more of a deserty sand people. Yep. Um, type and there's a fourth one. I can't remember what the fourth one. Maybe was. Arctic. Arctic. Uh, may, maybe that's what it is. Um, and they don't like each other. Like they, not not so they don't like each other, but they have their own ways of life. Right. And they're not very keen. And that's the big part of this film, is early on it's Sully's family trying to fit in with people that are completely different. Yeah. They're the same in the fact that they're Navi. Yeah. But they're but they're completely different in their culture, some of their beliefs, some of the way that they um, live. Um, so. At the very end of this film, you know, Zach mentioned family and, and, and connection. That's something that you see at the end of this. At the end, after all the battling is done, after all the fighting is done, Sully and his family are getting ready to leave. They say, we've put your people through enough and we're going to leave. And the, 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 the leader of, of the water people, or the water navi, I keep saying people. The water tribe. The water tribe. I'll just knock my hat off. My thing off. Um, says, you're one of us now. Yeah. We protect our own. Yeah. And then that's where the line that Zach mentioned is, this is where we make our stand happen. Mm-hmm. It's after that. Yeah. So Zach is absolutely right. It's all about that. So, but visually, one of the best things you'll ever see with your eyes. <laughs> High praise. I think I give it a nine just because I feel like it had some pacing issues. And, and because you really, really have to go into it with the understanding that the CGI is going to be more advanced than just about anything you've ever seen. If you go into it expecting it to be just like the 2009 Avatar, you're going to be surprised. And I think if you go into it expecting it to be like any other regular movie you've seen recently, you're also going to be surprised. So there's definitely like an adjustment period involved there. But once you adjust, it's a pretty fun ride. Ugh. 
Absolutely. I agree with that. And I, and I like that we're, we're pretty close on our review. Yeah. It's, it's a really, really solid movie. I don't give it a perfect score. I think Jurassic Park and Empire Strikes Back are like the only movies I've ever given a perfect score to. So uh, it's not perfect, but it's pretty damn close. All right. Um, let's talk about some of our movies that we're looking forward to in uh 2023 this one will probably only take about 10 minutes because i promised my wife would be done sooner rather than later and so um we're not going to spend too much on this probably about 45 to 60 seconds for each of us deal for each film and uh, i'm going to give a quick honorable mention just because this looks like a crap movie and we talked about crap movies before cocaine bear i am so looking forward (laughs) to cocaine bear like, it's not even funny. And you just pointed to your phone. It's an honorable mention for you as well. It is. I am so looking forward to Cocaine Bear just because of the one trailer that I saw. It looks stupid. It looks funny. I can't wait. I kind of put it in the same vein of what I first thought about Violent Night. Yeah, it's it's there. Like, it's gonna. It's not going to be a Oscar-worthy movie, no. but it's going to be a fun ride. It's going to be a movie I probably own up, end up owning like Terrifier 1 and 2. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Checking in at number five for me, though, is going to be a Christopher Nolan film called Oppenheimer. I, oh. I, I don't really know a whole lot about the plot. Obviously, it's going to be based on historical context. But listen to this cast. It's going to be starring Cillian Murphy as the lead character Oppenheimer. And then it's going to have Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Gary Oldman, Jack Quaid, Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh, and Florence Pugh. That's a big cast. Like, that is a huge cast. It is an all-star cast, and I think it's going to pay dividends in a Christopher Nolan production. So I am looking forward cautiously, optimistically, to Oppenheimer. Yeah, you know, that's not a movie that, you know, I have on my radar, um, but it's definitely a movie I would go see. And it might be one of those movies that, in exactly a year from today, Mm -hmm. when I'm talking about my... Most surprising films of 2023. It could be that. It might be be on there. And with the cast like that, absolutely it could be. We'll see. Uh, My number five um, is an animated film. And it's actually one of two animated films I have in my top five. Oh, my. Um, And it's going to be the Super Mario Brothers movie. I thought that was going to end up on there. I was really nervous about what your thoughts on that were going to be because it's been very mixed on the internet about the whole Chris Pratt playing the lead role. Oh, I love it. I think I think he's going to do great. Uh, okay. I love what I've seen. Um, and I, I love what that studio's done uh, with movies uh, in the past. You know, like Angry Birds. Um, <laughs> Angry Birds 2 was crazy it hilarious. Was, it was. And, and, I, and I see a lot of that. In the trailers for this film, uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that I, I hope that it's really good. It's a movie I'm highly excited for. The cast is pretty funny: Chris Pratt, uh, Charlie Day, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to name a few. Um, it's I don't know I I so far from what I've seen, I like the way that they're taking it, and I like how serious it looks like they've taken it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one. All righty. Clocking in at number four, most anticipated of the year next year for me, is going to be Dune Part Number 2. I really, really enjoyed Dune Part 1. I thought it was very well told. I thought it had great visuals. I thought it had a really good example of what um, 
future could look like, what the future could look like for humanity, while also telling a really great adventure story. It reminded me of like Star Wars meets Blade Runner. And I think if this next installment is done well, it could be like one of the biggest hits of this generation. You know what? I can see that. You know, uh, Dune, the first Dune is still not a movie I've gotten around to. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I, I thought you had seen it by now. I have not. Um, that And that's a movie that I'm very bougie when it comes to how I watch certain movies. Okay. And that's a movie I need to watch in 4K. Um, disagree, but I understand where you're coming from. That that's one of those movies I'd want to watch in 4K. Um, and I haven't seen that as an option to watch from home yet in a way that I have the the means to do. There's it. not a 4K disc for purchase yet. I haven't seen it. Um, I'm and granted I haven't looked online very much, but I've kind of looked at like Best Buy when I've been kind of like strolling through to see if there's any movies I want to take home. Right. And I haven't seen it in in 4K Blu-ray um, there. I'm sure they have it, but yeah, oh yeah, twenty bucks. It's on. I, I mean, it's it's on, on. It's on sale right now. On sale from thirty four for twenty. Oh, I might have to do that. What's the what's the special edition? Was that like is that like a? Uh, I don't know. We'll take a look after the show. Yeah, we will. If it's a steel book, it might be showing up at my door on Tuesday. Um, but uh, no, that's the movie I hadn't seen yet. But I, I want to. And and the second one uh, is definitely one that, from what I've seen, looks like holy crap. That it's, might might be bonkers. It's setting up for a lot and to. Uh, to be including Zendaya in a heavier role than she had in the first movie is also going to help make or break this movie. <laughs> People have loved her in Spider-Man, and I think they're going to love her in this series as well. Oh, yeah. she I'll tell you, she, she's become an actress that I've really in, become to be a fan of. Um, so I, I look forward to that. All right. So my number four is another animated film. Oh, you're going back to back with your anime. Back to back. All right. Uh, this is a sequel, and it's the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That's actually my number three. <laughs> so that, that saves us some time. <laughs> I don't have to do it too much. I'll be like, all right, that's my number three. So and your number four. The 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 first one was incredible. It was amazing, and I was so bummed that this one didn't come out this year like it was supposed to. Yeah. It got delayed. Um, but. I I'm really excited about it. I hope that you know. I hope it doesn't get bit by that um, the the sequel bug that happens sometimes. From what I've seen, it it's only going to get bigger. That's that's because like because because this is volume one, right? Of two. Well, okay, so they kind of did like what they did with Infinity War, where they were originally going to call it Infinity War Part Two and like Infinity War Part One, and then they're they're going to change the name. Okay, but so they... like Across the Spider Verse is Part One, but it's not going to be like Across the Spider Verse Part Two. It's going to be like something something Spider Verse. Yeah, okay, that'll be the follow up. Yeah. So that, but that was my point is yeah. th- there's already a sequel plan. Yeah, there's a follow up this one. So yeah, um, so yeah, no, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I loved that. F- I loved Into the Spider Verse. It was a great great movie that's why it's part of my collection over there you were talking about my my movie collection and sometimes i can be a little selective about what i get (laughs) and uh it's especially true with the spider-man movies like the first three spider-men they haven't been really digitally remastered so i've got them on dvd (laughs) 
but this one I'm pretty sure I've got at least in Blu-ray. There's only a few movies I've got in 4K, but that one is at least in Blu-ray, and for damn good reason. It's a great movie. It's got great characters. I love Jake Johnson oh, as, as Spider-Man, as Peter Parker. It's fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to what they do with the Miles Morales storyline because that is not something we've been able to explore much in live action. So to continue his story and continue these adventures is something I'm really, really looking forward to. And that's why it's my number three. So let's just go to your number three. So my number three is a number three. Is a number three. Guardians of the Galaxy volume. Guardians three. Okay, okay. I see where you're going. Um, I, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise has been one of my favorite of the Marvel mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the soundtracks are always good. The, con- the comedic timing is great. Um, even when they have appearances in movies like Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Dude, I'm the one who told you about that. It was so fun. <laughs> was it not awesome? It was so fun. There's no villain in it, and yet it still like brings you that holiday joy. Mm-hmm. That song by the 97s about how Christmas is so weird. Yeah. Like, I love that song. It's part of my holiday playlist now. So the funny thing, well, in a way, they're the villain because they kidnapped Kevin Bacon, but that's a different story. That's Um, true. That's a good point. (laughs) But that is my number three. Um, And I, it, it, it's bittersweet because I know it's the last standalone Guardians of the Galaxy film. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that because it is the last known standalone Guardians of the Galaxy film, they go out with a bang. I think they will. I think they will. My number two is one that I feel pretty certain is going to be on your list at some point. I don't know exactly when or where, but if it's not on your list, I'm going to have to smack you upside the head. My number two is something that we have been waiting for for a very, very long time, and all of the previews and the the behind-the-scenes images and the interviews seem to indicate that it's going to turn out really, really well. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I am really, really looking forward to this movie. It's not a Star Wars movie, but it is like right up there among favorite franchises. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford is back, and it's just it's going to be a fun ride. Like He is still doing stuff. He's in one of those Yellowstone series. I think it's 1923 or something like yes. that. Like He's still acting. He's still out there doing stuff. And him being a part of this franchise and and being able to go out with a bang, John Williams has gone on record saying that he is not doing any more original compositions after this film. Indiana Jones 5 is like a retirement party for John Williams as well. So this is a big, big movie. It's got a lot at stake. It's got a really big scope. And it should be a really fun ride, and I'm really looking forward to it. You're absolutely right, and um, this puts me in an awkward position. Just tell us your number two, because if it's not your number two, I feel like it's going to be your number one. So my number two, uh, it's another Marvel film, Mm -hmm. and it's, look, these movies, a lot of people don't like them. They're they're not on a high up on people's Marvel list, Mm -hmm. Um, but... It's not Ant-Man, is it? I find the Ant-Man films awesome. It's Ant-Man? It's Ant-Man. Freaking Ant-Man is your number two? Dude, I love Paul Rudd, okay? I do too, but (laughs) he's not my number two favorite movie I'm looking forward to of the whole freaking year. But this is why. Because I feel like this particular film is what is going to catapult us forward in the Marvel movie-verse. With Kang the Conqueror being in it, I can see that. So that's why it's number two. It's not necessarily because it's Ant-Man. 
It's because I feel like this is the movie. Because I feel like the last phase of the Marvel movies got really weird because of the because of the pandemic, right? And the timing of when movies came out, right? And things getting delayed and and just weird things happening. I feel like this is the movie that is going to fling the Marvel movie verse back into form. I can hope. I can hope. I, I see where you're coming from. I just, I think with everything that's on Disney Plus now, it's so overwhelming to try to keep up with everything. You, you had Loki, you had the Falcon and Winter Soldier, you had WandaVision, you've got Ms. Marvel. There's all of these Disney Plus iterations that you're not going to be able to find on disc or anything. And if you're not subscribed to Disney Plus, you're going to miss out on a big chunk of the MCU. And so I, I don't know if the MCU movie verse as we know it will ever be the same. Because for moviegoers... This will be their first time seeing Kang the Conqueror. Mm -hmm. But we saw him back in 2021 in season one of Loki. We did. So, like, it's it's really big for those who are subscribed to Disney+. Plus. It may not mean as much to people who are just going to go see a Marvel movie for as a, as a casual viewer. I don't think it's going to have the same impact. But I, think, but I think that's kind of the thing about the Marvel movies. Is I, I think, yeah, you have the movies that go as the casual viewer. But I don't necessarily think that's their core audience. I think their core audience are the people that that are invested at, at this point, that are invested in these stories, invested in these characters, and, and and I'd argue that I think the reason that that they would go all out with the movieverse, because I talked about this when I went and saw Rogue One, that only Disney has the cojones that they can do this. <laughs> they use their own products to advertise their other products. So by 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 keeping the Marvel movie verse as huge as it is along paralleled with if not increasing that of the Disney Plus series, increasing. That's a bold word. You you make it to where they your your diehards are going to be subscribed to it. But the bottom line is the bottom line. Money. Exactly. I don't think you get as much money from Disney Plus subscribers as you do from box office. You don't, but I... I you but have to appeal to the casual moviegoers and make it important to them without making them feel excluded from the references that you make to the Disney Plus stuff. It's a very tight, tightrope that you have to walk. Well, let's, let's, take, let's take Doctor Strange, for instance. Doctor Strange didn't do well. Well, by comparison to other MCU movies, Doctor Strange was really immersed in the WandaVision universe and it did not perform the way other Marvel movies have. Well, that's true, but also look when it came out. Like, I hate to use the I hate to use still coming out of the pandemic as kind of a crutch for it. But we can't use that anymore. You now you can't. So I think anything going forward, I, I feel like the end of last year, the early part of this year I feel as if you were still we were still sort of in that people were kind of hesitant to do certain things and over this last over the course of this last year people have sort of reclused themselves possibly um, but um, but that that's I, I don't know I, I think I think we're about to get back on track with the Marvel movie verse and I feel like this is the film and what I mean by on track is I mean 
having a known big bad across the whole thing. Yeah, you need another Thanos. Yeah, and I feel like and and I feel like this is where we and if it's not Kang the Conqueror, I feel like this is where we start to get that. My concern is that they're trying to do it with an Ant-Man movie. I just don't think Ant-Man is as popular as some of the other heroes from the Avengers. He's funny. He's entertaining. I don't dispute that. I have enjoyed what I've seen, but I've always considered Ant-Man a fun romp, and I don't think that that is the proper place to introduce the new Big Bad. Well, but if you did it in a way where it's as like a post credit scene or something like that, don't forget we also have the Marvels coming out this year. We do. You know? So this isn't the only Marvel film to come out, and it could just be something that it starts to turn the ship in a way to to see what's coming. We'll see. I guess we'll see. My number one is one that you already put on your list, and I was kind of holding back so that I could give a little bit more exposition. But my number one anticipated movie of 2023 is Guardians Volume 3. I love James Gunn. I love what he has done to kind of reclassify and re-revolutionize um, the the movie and 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 action movie and more and and comic book movie industry. Like he did it with Peacemaker. I was I was about to say Marvel movie, but he did it with Peacemaker. Dude, I think Peacemaker is Peacemaker was awesome, <laughs> and and he was able to revolutionize it with Peacemaker as well, and. It all started back in 2014 with the first Guardians movie. Mm-hmm. And and since then, people have copied his method and tried to incorporate classic rock and stuff into their action and their jokes. And it started with Guardians. Mm-hmm. And now it's going to come full circle with Guardians Volume 3. Mm-hmm. And the holiday special was super heartfelt and entertaining. You've got all of the core characters in place. It moved their story forward a little bit, but not too much. So it gives you some character dynamics that you get the chance to play off of further. And I just think that it's one of the best things to happen to Marvel in the last decade. I I can't agree more. And honestly, like even their scenes in non-Guardians movies, like I mentioned Thor, Love, and Thunder, Mm -hmm. which... The Thor Love and Thunder was awesome. I loved that movie. It was so freaking much. It was it fun. Was, it was funny and it was fun. I think I still enjoyed Ragnarok more. I, I would agree with that, but Ragnarok, off topic, but Ragnarok was also, was kind of the, I don't want to say conclusion, but it was all, it was kind of like the spearhead of the Thor Loki story. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, that said, uh, I agree with everything that you said. Uh, about Guardians 3. Um, All right, moving on to your number one before we close out the night. My number one was your number two. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Dude, Harrison Ford, man. So everything I've seen has gotten me nothing but hype. If it wasn't for my love of the Guardians franchise, Indiana would be number one. Yeah, no, you know, so... There are a lot of movie franchises that hold a lot of place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars being one of them. Sure. But Indiana Jones, man, that's a movie growing up you just loved. Mm-hmm. You know? Because Star Wars was cool, and, you know, and, and they're, they're very similar in many ways. Harrison Ford being a big part of the reason sure. they're similar. Sure, sure. But Star Wars was always like this sci-fi type thing. 
And Indiana Jones was like this, you know, really make-believe sort of still fantasy in a way. But it also felt possible. Yeah, I can see that. And it felt more real. And it felt real to the point that even at Disney World, and I think it's still there, they run an Indiana Jones show multiple times a day. There's a ride at Disneyland that's Indiana Jones themed. And it is probably my favorite ride I've ever been on. The, the, the show is one of those on-stage deals, yeah. you know? And it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. And you, the dude even gets chased by a boulder on stage. It's pretty awesome. That's amazing. It's pretty awesome. But everything Indiana Jones, from the theme song, from the sound of the whip, um, from just the, the smart Alec remarks that he makes. Yep. Um, number one film. Um, I... I a lot of people didn't come out of Crystal Skull as excited. But, That's true. But I was I was extremely hyped for that movie as as we were leading up to it, and that's where I'm at with this one. So I'm super excited. Can't come fast enough. So even if this movie ends up being very similar to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, very tropey, very cliche, very obvious in the way that they incorporated stunt doubles into Harrison Ford's acting. Like, even if it does all of that, you think you'll still be satisfied with it? I do. Because it's one of those things that I would, you know, I enjoyed my time in the theater watching Crystal Skull. Okay. Like, it was a fun, but I'm also easy to please. Like, I'm not, you know, I had fun with it. Did you hear that, ladies? Ladies, I'm very easy to please. Um, uh, I, I I did. I enjoyed it. Um, now looking back on it, it's not the greatest, you know. Um, but it was fun at the time when I watched it. Um, mm-hmm. And but from what I've seen with this one, like you said, the interviews, the behind the scenes, they yep. know what they got wrong that that time around. And they're trying to improve on it. And they're it. trying to improve on it. Yeah. Um, Shia LaBeouf is not going to be in this film. <laughs> but they have promised that you're going to find out what happened to him. Well, since the movie is set around the time of the Vietnam War, I have a feeling he's just going to be sent off to war. Maybe. that That's very possible. And I thought that too. But it almost sounds like it might be a little more in-depth than that. It could be, but I also feel like they just want to have like one or two lines that explains why he's not there, and then you move on with the storyline. And since the Vietnam War basically reintroduced the draft, I feel like he's just going to be drafted, he's going to be sent there against his will, and that's going to be the end of it. That, and that could be. That, that could be very possible. But Phoebe Waller-Bridge being in it is a really great hire. I think bringing her into it and being like his co-star... Is going to be a great dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, um, I, I'm so excited for this one. Um, this is probably going to be one I try to go to opening night. I'll be there opening night. I'll be there like again opening weekend. I'm probably seeing this one about as many times as I saw Jurassic World this year, and at, probably at least three or four times in different movie theaters. And this might be one of those films that I'd want to experience in different formats. Yep. Um, you know, just just a. As kind of alluded to earlier, or you didn't allude to it, maybe you actually said it, um, but this is probably Harrison Ford's last big movie. It may be. Um, you know, because you, you kind of mentioned that this is a retirement film on multiple things. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is Harrison Ford's last big thing. I'm not saying he's not going to be in things going forward, 
but I feel like this is the last big hurrah. It very well could be. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to what they bring to the table. I'm looking forward to seeing how Disney handles it, because up until this point, it's been from other studios, and now mm-hmm. Disney has the reins of it. And this goes all the way back to 2012. This is a payoff that has been 12 years in the making. When Disney bought Star Wars, they tried to bring Harrison Ford back for Episode Seven, And I remember those conversations happening. And he said, I will only come back as Han Solo if you give me another Indiana Jones movie. And they bought all of the future rights to future Indiana Jones franchises, installments, productions, whatever else, so that they could have Han Solo in Episode Seven. Because when the original purchase of Lucasfilm happened from Disney, right, Indiana Jones was not a part of that. Right. And I, and I believe that it was explicitly left out on purpose. And I, because I remember people talking about that. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that was a big part of like, wait a minute, I'm like, I got Star Wars, but I need a Jones. Right. You know, what, what are they, you know, that sucks. So, so they, they went, they went to very great efforts to ensure that he ends up in Star Wars. And now we get to see the fruits of that labor with him as Indiana Jones for one last ride. So dial of destiny, looking forward to it. And definitely looking forward to a lot of great things in 2023. But before 2022 is over, we've got some spare ribs that are going to be popped into the oven in the not-too-distant future. But we have to go decorate it and put some sauce on it. So that'll be our barbecue watch for the evening. Go find us on our socials and maybe we'll post pictures of the final product. But we had them on sale at our local Kroger. They were usually going for about 20 bucks. They were on sale for Five. Five dollars for a full rack. Full racks, people. Full racks. So we're going to be taking our time to go enjoy those for our barbecue watch this evening. Um, Kind of a cool way to finish out the new year because my wife is making pasta with some very special Italian sausage. And then we're going to have some spare ribs as well. And we're going to put a special rub on it that we got for Christmas and some special sauce that we bought at the store. Should be a really, really fun new year's night mondo it has been a fantastic 2022 and i am so looking forward to having you along for the ride with me my friend for 2023 likewise couldn't think of anybody better to have along with the ride mm-hmm. that sounded kind of weird yeah go along for the ride but <laughs> go along for the ride Maybe we should have done the TikTok challenge at the end of the episode because half half of that episode we were entirely buzzed and had way too much fun. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At one point, I felt myself sink in the chair, but I didn't move. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, man. (laughs) Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Hope that it is a very blessed and safe one. Be careful out there if you're going out to party tonight. We're staying in and going to be watching some movies and playing some games. And podcasting was a part of it, but now it's time to get ready for supper. So that'll be our BBQ watch for the evening. Mondo, is there any place that you want the folks at home to try to keep up with you on the socials if they want to? Just Mondo D Comedy, guys. Um, I, I haven't been super active closing out the year. Uh, that's one of the things I want to really do more in the starting tomorrow. Um, starting in 2023 uh you know i really want to get that going again um you know it i was reflecting on my 2022 and i posted this thing about i saw the picture from you in fort worth right yeah for me at, at the downtown cowtown theater in fort worth and man there 
for those of you, which is probably most of you, that have never done stand-up comedy, it is a thrill that I cannot explain. You're standing up on a stage, nothing behind you, only you and a microphone between you and everybody watching. And it's sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Like it, I mean, there you got nothing. You got nowhere to hide. Yeah, uh, I have nowhere to hide in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I missed that. I wanted. I want to get back into that. Got some material working. Um, one of them might involve a wheelchair. Uh, oh Lord! And a and a big wheel. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I know this story. You just told me this story today. Yeah. It, oh Lord. I feel like that was that was that was just a gift from from the heavens. Well, there's plenty more gifts to be had in 2023. Some other movies that we didn't mention include the Barbie movie, Fast 10 is coming out next year, John Wick 4, the Wonka movie, The Color Purple, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning 1, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. That that almost made but was was almost one of my um, honorable mentions. Creed number three, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Scream number six, Saw number ten, the live-action Little Mermaid, The Flash, Pixar's Elemental, Meg 2, The Trench, The Blue Beetle Movie, Expendables 4, Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and at the end of next year, Aquaman and the Last Kingdom. And you left off a couple that I want to point out? Sure. Transformers, The Rise of the Beasts. Yeah. Um, This movie follows the Beast Wars, which was a huge part of my childhood. I'm really excited about that. Um, And there was another one that I can't remember. I was like, oh, you didn't say that one. But... I can't remember what it was. There's just a very loaded 2023. So yes. who knows what our podium is going to look like next year. But be sure to follow us on our socials at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to follow me on all of our socials at Zach the Voice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Venmo, Snapchat, Twitch, whatever the heck it may be. Be sure to follow along for a really, really great 2023. Mondo, any final thoughts before we call it a night? Yeah, um, Dungeons and Dragons was the other movie. I thought. There we go. I was actually kind of looking forward to that. Chris Pine's going to be in that one, isn't he? Yes, and it looks kind of like a comedy actiony kind of thing. Looks pretty funny. Um, look, looking kind of forward to maybe catching that on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon where I have nothing else to do. There you go. Well, I think that is going to do it for this New Year's Eve special edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. I'm very sorry that Ben wasn't able to make it, but he's off doing family things, which is also very, very important. I'm spending time with my family. He's practically my brother. He was the best man at my wedding. I'm here with my wife. So we're going to have a really, really great next few hours as we get ready to ring in the new year. And I hope that you all have a wonderful and safe New Year's as well. But for everybody involved here on this particular episode and for everybody that is a part of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, I'm Zach Arnold officially signing off for the evening and for the year 2022. Thank you so much for being a part of all of our adventures, and we're looking forward to 2023. Until then, everyone, good night and happy new year. Bon voyage. <laughs>